Big Balls Bob. Not to be confused with Tiny Balls Todd. I do have a body. It's very fantastic. Uh, more of a temple, really, than a body. I can't tell if he's doing a bit or not. I'm glad you brought that, that point up because... Todd's a pussy. It's right next to Todd's OnlyFans. It's, it's on the internet. Yeah, Todd's not dumb. I tried to get in a high honest English class once and they called my parents and were like, hey, just tell him he can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it shows. It really shows. I'm a dumbass and I'm sorry. The first time we've been let out of mom's basement, right? Oh, no, I'm still in mom's basement, actually. <laughs> I hate you guys so much. I'm going to throw these two guys into the screen so that if I die, they can carry on the legacy of crap that is this show. Ho, ho, ho! Welcome in, Green Bay Packer fans, to another edition of Lombardi's Bar. Hope you're having a fantastic holiday season. I hope that you're enjoying the NFL's generous offer of Tuesday night and extra Monday night football and football wherever they can cram it. God bless them for doing that. Really appreciate that. Uh, we got a big show for you tonight. It is a Christmas special. The Packers have a Christmas special coming up this weekend against the Cleveland Browns. So we've got Tons of Cleveland Browns guests to come on and talk football with us. Before that, though, let's get our drink special in here for the night at Lombardi's Bar in honor of being Christmas time and also, you know, the Green Bay Packers clinching the NFC North for the third straight year in the row. Kings of the North poll is our drink special for today. What is the Kings of the North poll? Very simple. To shot of Jägermeister, which I feel is the most, like, North cold-sounding liquor that's ever been created at least maybe that's just their commercial branding working on me i'm a slave to advertising but to make it a little bit more of a holiday theme we got those nice little candy cane shot glasses you can get for like 50 cents at, at target and the in the dollar bin but uh that is our drink special for tonight and before we bring in our guests and everybody else here remind you that our friends at Arctic ventures are proud sponsors of lombardi's bar the goal of Arctic ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable, bleh, profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit ArtecVentures.com for more info. Todd, Jimmy, get the heck in here. Save me from this live read, please. How are you guys doing? You almost had it. You were I almost had it. It was right at the end, man. Right yeah, at the sucked. end. That candy cane uh, shot glass, honestly, with Jaeger in it, sounds horrible. So, oh, I think it sounds amazing, but I love Jaeger because I hate my. I like Jaeger, but mixing that with fucking candy cane. I, I don't know. I I I just know I, I love I love Jaeger, and I'll do everything else. Emma, thank you. The hat is I busted out literally once a year, and it's for this it's for this show. <laughs> Same with this thing, and it was actually Dan. You were on screen, and I was like. Where's my Santa hat? Luckily, <laughs> luckily, Todd, uh, back around Thanksgiving time when he was getting the turkey hat out, was like, let's keep this close because we're going to need this in a panic here. Uh, Smart in a month. idea. So. <laughs> well, guys, uh, like I said, we've got a ton to talk about. I mean, we've got we've got a nail biter of a game from Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens to talk about lots lots to break down there pro bowl roster is getting announced today and then oh also by the way it's freaking christmas on saturday and the packers have to play a 4 30 eastern game against the cleveland browns 
which you know just can't be shoved down my down my throat enough with the uh, with the advertising. Um, guys, what are you most looking forward to about this week before we bring in our illustrious first guest of the night? I I just don't want to have like a heart attack on Christmas. Like I just hope it goes smoothly. <laughs> Oh, you mean for the game? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like I'm thinking for this like, week. I mean, I guess every day. I hope I don't have our. <laughs> yeah, like, I just one don't. Of, I don't want to die on Christmas. Daily. Like I just want to do a smooth game. No one get COVID. Everyone like a like during the win. game. Like no one catches COVID during the game. Just no one catches COVID this week. And okay. honestly, they can get COVID after February if they want to. But it's their choice then. Until then, please stay away from it. I just, I, I just want a very relaxed Christmas. I want to get drunk off happiness, not drunk because I'm sad we lost to the Browns. Well, that won't happen. Todd? No, nothing, uh, Todd? I'm – I, sorry, am I glitching again? What's happening? Nope. I don't know. Am I glitching? Uh, it's probably me. Fantastic internet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's all right. Guest in. <laughs> Mike, yeah. Let's kick Todd out. Let's get our first guest in of the night. Um, I mean, if you've been anywhere on Twitter, football Twitter, specifically Cleveland Browns Twitter, or just Cleveland sports Twitter in general, you'd recognize her face, her voice. <clears throat> Friend of the show now, Gab, joining us here. Nick, bring her in here. Gab, hello. Welcome to Lombardi's Bar. Thank you for joining hey, us. Hey, what's up? Can you guys hear me good? I'm just making sure first. Yeah, we can hear great. Yeah. Yeah, okay. sounds great. You can't oh, you hear can? me. Okay, good. But... Okay. Sorry, because like I'm at my parents in this log cabin and the Wi-Fi is messing up and I'm just like, I'm just a mess today. <laughs> I'm just a mess today. <laughs> I'm not I, I was gonna say the background. But I, I made it and I'm I here. Wish I was a, yeah. So you is it like a log right, cabin like in, in the middle, middle of the woods? Of... Yeah, we are. We're in a log cabin in the middle of the woods, like a bunch of my family's here doing a little like Christmas party thing. Okay. Well, so, yeah. thank you for taking time away from that. I appreciate that. Hanging out with us three idiots. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Stop that. Yeah. I'm more than happy to be here. And it, and it, honestly, it fits the, the theme because when you see the recorded interview we did with Joe Thomas, yeah, it, it's a, it's a very wilderness theme guest. Now you and uh, Joe both look like you're out in the middle. Like, deer Oh hunting. yeah. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We're so Cleveland out here. <laughs> Uh, well, Gab, I mean, like I said, if anyone follows you on social media, they know that pretty much first and foremost, you're Cleveland through and through a all, all everything. Um, you would think that, no? but today that people aren't saying that right now, <laughs> they're a little, Cleveland's a little mad at me right now, but they'll get over it. What'd you do? Um, I said they got so upset because they said, we should draft a wide receiver. And then they took that as me saying our wide receivers are terrible. And I hate them. I don't hate them. I just want to add another one. Yeah. I feel like you guys have Jarvis Landry. Who's who's good, but I feel like his best role is at a number two spot. And we have Donovan people's Jones. He's good too, but like, he's not, he's not like a, he's, not a number one. he's good, yeah. but he's not yeah. an, Right. But I said that and they got very, very, very mad at me. And they thought that that was me saying that I hate them and I want them off the team. <laughs> that's where my day is. I think you just summed up all of social media right there. <laughs> like that, that's the social media experience right there. Right. Like I said, Tommy Jones, not a wide receiver one right now. 
add another one in the offseason. And they said, that's cyberbullying. And I said, <laughs> got it. Yeah, you got to stop fucking bullying people. If they want to know what cyberbullying looks like, they want to know what cyberbullying looks like. Just have them look at anything that Jimmy tweets at me. That is cyberbullying. It's an abusive relationship. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I like to try to spread lies about Todd. Like one time I put out Todd doesn't believe in global warming oh. just to see if people would get mad at him. It didn't work, but I just, oh my you know, God. just wanted to that see was... it. <laughs> he tried. Oh God, the worst mean. that Jimmy did was he tried to <laughs> say that I, it was on like National Women in Sports Day and tried to say that I was yeah. super sexist and against it. And yeah. then I ended up making a donation <gasps> to a women in sports uh, site just so that I could put out that receipt and make sure that Jimmy looked like a moron. So <laughs> I stand by it. They got a donation. Nice. Yep, he almost had me. Hey, bullied me into donating money. Thank you. In the donation. Do you see see what I put up with here every single week? Yeah, like this this is this is the this is the nonsense I have to deal with on a weekly basis with these two. It's awful. So uh Gab, funny, we, we uh talked to Joe about this yesterday um in the interview upcoming. But what what happened with the Browns this year? I mean, I feel like they they had really high expectations coming into it. Uh, and aren't quite meeting those up to this point. Just kind of give us a rough overview of, of what's going on with them. Um, well, I think that um, they could be better, clearly. That's the first thing. <laughs> and I think the injuries are hurting the team a lot. The injuries aren't helping the team in any way at all. And then you can't really factor in like what to do from here because we have a lot of players injured. So we can't tell if that's like just injury or if that's just how they are. And I don't know. It's just the Cleveland way. You know, you think you're about to be good and something happens and sucks you right back down and it hurts. It sucks because you have all these expectations and then you just, I don't know, like the world had these expectations for us. And then we still go out there and like, I mean, they're trying their best but their best isn't getting it done. And I think we've played a so, little conservative too. So is going like going forward, do you think Baker Mayfield's going to be your quarterback in two years? No, I don't think he will be. So do you think you do the, that's also a sensitive subject for our fans. I was say. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I, I, we have, a I, I don't we, think he will be, but that's just what I think. Yeah. Nope. Do you, you, you don't want no Jordan thanks. Love? <laughs> All right, nope. fine. We'll, we'll take two first for him. I'm good over here. <laughs> I'm good over here. So uh, no way. <laughs> no, sir. All right. So what do you think? Obviously, the, it seems the Browns – well, not seems like. The Browns haven't really met expectations this season, just like other teams in the NFL. But, like, what do you think – needs to change going forward for them to make a playoff run and be successful, maybe win a game, try to make the Super Bowl run, or is it just not possible? Um, not possible isn't the answer, I would say, because we still have a chance to win the AFC North, and that's terrifying. I love it, but that's also <laughs> scary because I don't know what would happen. Like, I would love to host a playoff game. That'd be so sick, but I just don't know what is what we're going to see if that would happen. Um, 
man, I, that would be crazy. I would love that. But I just, I just don't really see that happening with how the Bengals are playing right now. And then the Ravens are also just better than us. They're a better team than us. Even with their injuries, they're playing better than us. They're back up. Like if we can't score, he's good. Yeah. Tyler Huntley. If we can't score more than like 13 points a game, we're not making it anywhere. So, yeah. Well, you know, you can always cheer for the Packers in the playoffs. We always love more fans. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I had the, I think the Packers will make it to the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl prediction. Packers Chiefs. I mean, obviously they're the best two teams, but that's what I'm thinking right now. So we'll see. If are you are you okay as a cleat? Because like I grew up in Ohio, I know, I know tons of of Browns fans, and so I get they killed my grandfather. Um, so I I I, I know I know like what oh the God. I know what the I I just what my. <laughs> My my grandpa and Merry his Christmas, mother, everybody. I, I I never saw them angrier than when the when they lost to the Marlins. Was that in the World Series or in the playoffs? Like in the play, like the Cleveland was. It was like ninety seven, I think, or ninety eight. Oh, they, when I was two lost, years old. Well, they lost. To, they lost <laughs> to the Marlins, and I've never seen. I've never seen those two people angry in my life, and I just know that Cleveland sports have killed them and so many other <laughs> Clevelandites with just over the, just the years and years of it. But so, but you're uh, in a you position know, now, you're in a position can now. You clip where, that? Like, can you clip that? Yeah. Well, can you yeah, clip I'll that moment? That. Please, yeah. please, please, please. <laughs> yeah. But like you, you have like, now you have, you've had tastes of success and now in football last year, you got to curb stop Pittsburgh in the playoffs. That if was I gave sick. That scenario again. To get to do that again, would you take that if it meant uh, like a slightly higher draft pick or lower draft pick? Fuck yeah. I'm beating Big Ben this last game ever. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's amazing. That's what I wanted here. Right. Like, you're not, we're not letting that man go out like that. We have to do that. would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, you want to kick off some pay the tab by around? Yes. Yes, Gab, if you're not familiar, we do a little segment on here, buy around, pay the tab, where we buy around for someone on our team that did something great this past week, and someone's got to pay the tab as well who maybe didn't live up to it that week. Okay. Uh, our, pay the, or our buy around that we kick off with brought to you by our friends at Lakefront Brewery. It's one of Wisconsin's largest craft breweries. Since its founding in 1987 by brothers Russ and Jim Klish, Lakefront has earned numerous awards and created many industry firsts. Lakefront's brewery tours are among the most popular in the United States, with over 100,000 guests taking the tour yearly, brewing flavorful, high-quality craft beer has been their passion for over 30 years. They'd love to tell you their story over a pint and a tour the next time that you are in Milwaukee. Visit lakefrontbrewery.com to schedule your tour today. Uh, Todd, we'll give Gab a second here to, to kind of collect what she wants, where she wants to go. So, Todd, why don't you kick us off? Who are you buying around for this week? Uh, I am buying around for us. Once again, the Lombardi's Bar Bump comes through. Just announced today, our best friend, the guy that we got a contract extension for, Mr. Kenny Clark, will be a pro bowler this year. Shout out to us for doing an excellent job there. Cheers it is because of that. Us. Yeah. Great work, guys. <laughs> yeah. We Hopefully we get Gab back here in a second. I know she said she's out in the middle of uh, 
of God's country out in Cleveland. Uh, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the referees, actually, uh, because Rodgers threw a beautiful ball to Lazard. He dropped it on third down, and the refs called a defensive pass interference that was not fucking there. Like, that was very good defense on the Ravens. They gave us that. It ended up being a touchdown. That's a four-point swing right there. Um, instead of kicking that field goal on fourth down, if we would have. So, uh, thank you, referees. You mess up a lot. I'm just happy that this time when you messed up, it was in our favor uh, because that was a horrible call. Uh, so, referees, I'll pay you. I'll buy you a round. If you want to do it again this Saturday against the Browns, feel free. Help us out. I, I think it was – I think it could have been defensive holding. No. Dude, his finger touched a jersey for one second, and then Lazard cut off. Technically, it's you can't holding. touch him at all five yards past one. I'm just saying. I don't no. look a, I don't look a defensive pass interference gift horse in the mouth ever. Dude, I, those refs, if they want to call defensive pass interference for us like that all the time, I'm cool with it. <laughs> Speaking of defense, I'm going to go the rookie, Eric Stokes, cornerback. Obviously, Mark Andrews ate our defense's lunch every single play. Darnell Savage has some explaining to do about that. But Eric Stokes, a rookie on Hollywood Brown, probably their most potent offensive weapon, most explosive offensive weapon for sure, and and locked him down, basically. And there was at least one or two plays there where you saw it and you were like, that's not a rookie playing cornerback. That's that's a guy that's been here for, for a couple of years. So... Uh, definitely buy a round for Eric Stokes. Gab, you had uh, you had a much different experience, a different game. Welcome back in. Sorry, uh, my internet stopped working for a minute, and I was like, no, "Oh shit!" So no I was worries. like clicking I, a bunch I of figured, buttons. I'm sorry. You're totally. I figured. Fine. I figured the squirrels out there just stopped running. Right, the, just like, mm, yep, it's a mess. Everything, yeah. everything. A mess. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys had a nail biter on Monday. I mean, still almost pulled it out with Nick. We Mullen. did. Where do you? Uh, who are you buying a round for from the uh, from the Browns this week? Um, I am buying around for Nick Mullins. Right. He did what he was asked to do. Yeah. And he did That's the fair. best. He should have won that game. He should have been able to throw on that final drive. They took the ball out of his hands. I'm buying him a drink because he did the best. I'm buying it myself. <laughs> You're not using Fandle's money. You're using yours. Right. I'm just pulling it out of my pocket. Yeah. Okay. So then what do I do? I pick somebody who buys it for him. So so now we're gonna go we're gonna go pay the tab. And so this is somebody on the team who you think owes who owes the bar some money, who who ha- owes owes your fan base a little bit a little bit of ex- explanation. Maybe our kicker. I'll go kicker and our punter that just got cut at the same time. Yes, punters. <laughs> Make the punters buy. Well, he's not on the team anymore, but he can pay it on the way out. Right. Perfect. Exactly. But he what had a Christmas such a- gift. What a Christmas gift that was. That was mean. Yeah, Dang. but he Imagine has such a good cut. nickname. The nickname. Yeah, he's the, cool. He's awesome. Scottish Hammer. Sucks though. Uh, I mean, it could be better. Okay, so yeah, he sucks. You're nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hello, Joe Thomas. Nick, stop um. fucking stuff up. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, who needs to uh, who needs to pay the tab for you this week? Yeah, I'm going with the crunch time defense. Uh, we had a really good lead, and then somehow we let Hudley just get them back in the game and granted we pulled it out in the end, but it's the, it's the Always fucking mobile out in the end. Fuck off Todd. It's 
it's those mobile quarterbacks that always get us. And he started scrambling. He started going around I, on that, uh, on that touchdown play. Didn't we only have like 10 defenders on the field? Like, yes. it's just like yes, stuff like that. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> Oh my God, this is pretty important right now. We're up, we're up seven points. Like maybe have 11 players on the field and that would help you a little bit. So uh, we did really well that game. I was nervous going into it. The Ravens are a really up and down team. They either can play incredibly well or they kind of shit the bed, which seems like it's literally any, every NFL team this season. But, right. um, you know, defense, please don't give me an aneurysm like that again. Yeah, that wasn't fun watching Tyler Huntley look like Lamar Jackson for the last two drives of theirs. Um, that game probably got him a contract next year. Oh, that's that's his Matt Flynn game. That's his, yeah, that's his, that's his Matt sure. Flynn game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Todd, what about you? Uh, it's, it's finally time guys uh, with pro bowl announcement uh, today. Kevin King has to pay the tab for me. I, I believed in the guy. Now he's just making me look like a moron all year. I was pounding the pavement for him. He was going to be a pro bowler this year. He decided to continue to play like shit and not be a pro bowler this year. Uh, shocked me. Absolutely stunned by this one. can't believe uh, that, that he's not going to be a pro bowler. So Kevin King. Pay the could tab. Have thought. You really? Yeah. I, I'm so surprised the guy who got moved down to special teams is not going to be a pro bowler this year. <laughs> really, really thought it was going to happen guys. Honestly, you, I would have been I would have been so impressed if he had come out here and guys said, guys, this new cornerback, Razul Douglas, it's gonna be it's gonna be the the game changer. I would have would have loved to see that. Um pay the tab for me. It's uh it's number 12. It's Aaron Rodgers. And it's it's for it's for those passes that like we talked about a little bit. The touchdown to Alan Lazard that could have iced the game away. That's that's a pass that he makes, you know, in his sleep. The the first third down that ended the drive to Devontae Adams, it, it was just a couple of those throws where it's like in real critical situations, they were just slightly off. And I know it sounds like like I'm uh, you know, I'm bagging on the guy for not making every single outstanding play he makes every other single week, but I mean, those plays kind of came up pretty crucial at the end of the game. And so Aaron Rodgers, just a small, tiny little pay the tab. Also, Aaron, maybe just stop talking for a week. I don't know, man. It sounds like you're I, trying to cancel culture him. So I don't know. I know. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the cancel culture guys here, but uh, yeah, Aaron, maybe sports, just a Dan. week of, yeah. maybe just a week of talking about like, the gingerbread house you and Shailene made that week, like out of clay, out of, out of clay, out of clay. <laughs> Dude, I almost, uh, I tried to go to Meyer today, uh, to get a white t-shirt and I was going to write cancel culture on it just to fuck with you. But <laughs> Des texting, I was like, Hey, these kids are driving me nuts. Can you get home? So I was like, uh, <laughs> I think wife and kids take precedent over fucking with Dan. So I figured I'd get home. I don't know. I appreciate <laughs> it. I close one. I appreciate you getting home and checking out my kids, Jimmy. Yeah, no, I got you, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a faithful cuck for you. Appreciate that. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Gab, let's talk a little bit more about this game this week. 
Browns, Packers. Your first thoughts, are you as bothered as I am that we have to watch this game on Christmas? Because my nerves are going to be oh shot. Oh, my God. That's torture. Right? Right. Like, that's straight up not fair. Like, who thought that it was a good idea to put the Browns on Christmas? Like, maybe Thanksgiving is fine. But <laughs> on Christmas, like, I've watched the Cavs win on Christmas before. That's great. But the Browns, that's a whole different story. Right. And I think NBA it's all messed is- up. Yeah. So what what's your team's way to victory this week against the Packers? Like what needs to happen? Score more points than we <laughs> have in all the other games so far. Wow. Great answer. Great okay. Answer. We've been like we've scored more than 13 points in one game in the last like two months. That's tough. Fair. That's tough. But that's not fun. Your defense just- can be so good though. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Right, but like I would rather us score more than 13. Yeah, but if yeah. you win 13 12, you'll take it, right? We won't, though. <laughs> <laughs> we need like more. Fan. <laughs> we need more points. So, this is not football related at all, but as a, a Cleveland diehard, how do you, what's your feelings towards LeBron James? I love LeBron. LeBron's my okay. favorite athlete of all time. Why are you a LeBron hater? No, I love LeBron. You okay? Are you sure? <laughs> you like I have a Cam like LeBron jersey. I made sure. It's a okay. knockoff from China, but I have one. That's fine. Who cares? As long as you support the best player of all time, that's fine. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I love LeBron. I think I do think his team in Los Angeles sucks right now, but I love oh, LeBron. Yeah, terrible. People They're shit so on bad. him for no reason. The Cavs are better than them. Your rookie this year is insane. Evan Mobley, yeah, he's so good. Here Basketball we are in another, are we, we're on another show <laughs> where Jimmy has hijacked the conversation to talk with our guest about something other than football. Well, you guys don't. You didn't know MMA, so I had to talk to someone else about it. You don't. I've heard of LeBron NBA. James, Jimmy. Thank I do you follow much. the NBA. So, yo, are you a LeBron fan? I do like Greatest LeBron. player of all time. Bullshit, Dan. That was a bullshit. I do like LeBron. I do. No, last show, Dan literally put in the private chat. I What'd hate you LeBron. Say? You said that? Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he said little brawny, the worst. That is. <laughs> now come on. <laughs> Jimmy's just getting lazy at trolling. He's he he has to make up for it because he didn't get his shirt today. <laughs> I know, I know. That's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Bob, uh, time to time to dry out, Uncle Bob. <laughs> Bill Russell is the goat. Um, yeah, we just need to score more points than usual, which is not a lot. So well, uh, Gab, we really appreciate you stopping by. And like Jimmy said in the beginning, taking time away from your family at the holidays to do this with us. We really, really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have you back again at some point soon. Um, before you leave, do you want to let the people know where they can find you on, on all the social medias and anything you want to kind of promote? Cool. Thanks. Yeah. You guys can follow me at Gab Gowdy G. E-A-B-B-G-O-U-D-Y on all my platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And then you can find me on FanDuel. And we have a show every Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube called Unsportsmanlike Conduct, 7 p.m. FanDuel show. Check it out. It's funny. It's fun. And, yeah, that's what I got. Perfect. Gab, again, thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Have a happy holidays. And uh, go Pack.
<laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I hope your holiday is great, and we will see. You want to make a bet? Let's make a bet before I go. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Sure. Todd will what get an ask that too. Put bet an ask that too, and Todd will agree to it. Yeah. I'm not gonna make you do that. I was just gonna do like a, a beer. Buy me a beer. You guys all buy me a beer if the Packers lose, and if the Packers win, I buy you guys a beer. I love that. Okay. Deal. Deal. I love that idea. Got it. Perfect. Well, it's a go Browns, guys. Thanks for having me on here. I'll, I'm so um, confident. For me personally. Let's do it. Do that I'll one. You, do that one then. Do that one. All then. right. I'll give you the spread. You're fucked, but I'll give you the spread. Six. <laughs> what is it? Six and a half? I don't even know. That's how six confident I am. That's, that's, All right. Yeah, we'll it's six, six and a half. half. Perfect. We'll take it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll check in after Saturday. <laughs> Sorry. Merry Christmas. Have fun. <laughs> Thank you, Gab. Cool. Appreciate it. Thanks, Gab. Bye. Oh, man. All right. Well, I, what kind of beer do you guys want? What do we want? I'm going to go to them and say, hey, what's the most expensive beer you have? And say, <laughs> charge Gab Gowdy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not It's not how life works, Jimmy, but good luck with it. Jimmy's <laughs> just going to walk into a random bar. It's the most expensive beer you have. I'll take it. Charge this. Party. And they'll be like, who? What? She's Give in Cleveland. And I'll walk out with it. Glass and all. <laughs> All right, uh, before we jump to our break and to our interview with future Hall of Famer and Cleveland Brown great Joe Thomas here after the break. And Lombardi's Bar Hall of Famer. And Lombardi's yep. Bar Hall of Famer. Of but course. Kenny Clark, he said he's coming on so he can try to tie that record up. That's right. Um, we have got another little giveaway for you guys for hanging out with us here on this Christmas holiday special. A chance to win a Lakefront Brewery gift card. With our trivia question, Todd, do you want to do you want to just explain how it's going to work real quick, or do you want to bring Nick in and give us the question? What do you want to do? Yeah. So uh, what you'll do is DM the game on Wisconsin Twitter or Facebook account with the answer to producer Nick's trivia question, uh, and we will select one winner by the end of the show to uh, win a $50 gift card to Lakefront Brewery and two brewery tour passes. Uh, so definitely something you're going to want to check out there. Better. Producer Nick, come on in. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. What is our trivia question today for the fans to have a chance to win Lakefront Brewery? All right. So it's a two-parter. So there's two answers to the question. Um, and so this is in honor of Aaron Rodgers tying Brett Favre this past weekend with 442 touchdown passes as a Green Bay Packer, hoping that he breaks it this weekend. The only way he probably doesn't is if he gets hurt. So now that I've put that out there, you can all hate me. Damn on Damn it, Nick. What the fuck is the problem, Nick? Uh, you know, I just, I'm the Grinch or Scrooge when it comes to Christmas. So I, I play that role very well. Uh, but so two, two-parter question here. So, who caught Aaron Rodgers' first NFL touchdown pass? And who caught oh, Brett Favre's 442nd touchdown pass as a Packer? Got to have both answers I, correct. Got to have both of them. So, Jimmy, wait till after the break to say it? Jimmy, we're well, not going to guess show. because this at is the for the, the people. Right, right. We're going to yeah, guess but, at the end of the show. Once we have our winner picked out, we'll guess. Because, Jimmy, if we come back from the break and I give you the answer, then all the people will have the answer. Hey, Nick, 
shut the fuck up. All right, let's move on. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Just so once, go, pay attention in a pre-production meeting, was, Jimmy. It was, was five minutes right. long. Oh, Not even. The show. We said it before the show? That's my So yeah. go on Twitter. DM us on DM the Game on Wisconsin account on Twitter or send us a message on the Game on Wisconsin Facebook page. Send us a message with both correct answers. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show after our interview with Joe Thomas, which is coming up right after this break. What's up, guys? It's Sanjay from the Fuser Podcast. With me is Fred and Matt, and we are always here on Mondays at 7 p.m., right before Monday Night Football. So come check us out. You never know what we're going to bring on the show. But, hey, you know what? You have to check us out from 7 to 8 because, you know what? I got to put my kid down right after. So join us 7 p.m. And definitely check us out because we're fun stuff. So, oh, my. What the oh, fuck is fun stuff? <laughs> what? Hey, watch us because you get to see You're getting him. kind of Michael. Like, protect the neck, dude. Jesus. I know. <laughs> Michael Jackson over here. I hang him over Blink the fucking blanket. I can't. Hold on. This is weird. We just, well, now we have a baby all of a sudden. Just do it. That's the best part about it. He's got a baby. Like, what the hell's going on here? Poopy dad. Hey, what's up, guys? It's... <laughs> that was you. That was you. Never gets old. The baby thing never yeah. gets old. Dude, that, yeah. that shit cracked me up. And I didn't realize, I didn't even pick up till last week that, that Fred just says poopy diaper in the middle <laughs> of it. It kills me. All right. Um, so, again, you know the answer to our two-part trivia question. Head on over to Twitter, Facebook, shoot the game on Wisconsin pages a message to let us know and have a chance to be entered in for that $50 Lakefront Brewery gift card, as well as the two brewery passes. While you do that, we got a chance to sit down and talk with Cleveland Browns legend, Lombardi's bar legend, and future Pro Bowl or Pro Football Hall of Famer, Joe Thomas here. Um, So we hope that you enjoy another fantastic interview with Joe Thomas. Nick, go ahead and hit it. Or maybe not. Nick, hello. Hey, Nick. That's yeah. My computer all of a sudden doesn't. Uh... <laughs> God damn it, Nick! Every time. <laughs> Let's give this one more try here. I think we're gonna have to use the unedited version because that's the only one that's gonna open for me here. That's fine. Here we go. Let's jump into it. Joining us back here on Lombardi's Bar, return guest. You all know him as one of the greatest Cleveland Browns ever to play the game, one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game, and future Hall of Famer. We know him 
as some weird guy that hangs out in a hunting cabin and texts Todd about football every once in a while <laughs> and wants to talk with us, talk with us on Zoom. It's Joe Thomas. Joe, welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. It's my pleasure to be on with you guys again. So thanks for having me. I think no this problem. makes you the, the most reoccurring guest now. Uh, it is an award that hopefully will be sent in the mail here sometime after Christmas. <laughs> I put it on the wall behind me with my other trophies. I was going to say, I think like in in uh, in just perfect fashion, you're battling Kenny Clark, one of the best defensive linemen in the game right now for the record for most uh, most returning guests. Ooh, I'm glad I got invited back because uh, I imagine people listening to this podcast probably want to hear Kenny Clark a little more than some guy that played for the Cleveland Browns. So I appreciate you guys still having me back. Well, I, it's always topical uh, to have you on, obviously knowledgeable about the Packers. Um, but this week, this is the first time, Joe, that you've let your your Cleveland Browns show through. Um, so obviously with the, the game coming up this week, we'll get into that. But just to touch on the, the Brown season a little bit here, um, obviously pretty high expectations coming into the season not really panning out like everybody was hoping for on that side of things. What's been a couple of the the biggest issues there that, that are happening? Well, I think like a lot of teams in the NFL, the Browns came into the season with high expectations. I think most Browns fans thought we had a great chance to win the division and it actually can still shake out. If you look at the AFC North race, like everybody's right about 500 um, and the game on Monday night against the Raiders with the Browns, if they would have won that game, which came down to a field goal at the end, they would be in first place in their division. But because the field goal was good, the Browns are now in last place in their division. And that's kind of the way the NFL has been this season with all the parity. But um, certainly I think if you look at why the Browns are in the situation they are right now versus leading the division and kind of coasting like the Packers are, I think injuries are a huge part of it, right? Quarterback from the beginning of the season, Baker Mayfield, he got hurt trying to tackle a, a defender that had intercepted the pass and he tore his shoulder and he broke a bone in his shoulder. And then he got like heel injuries and foot injuries and knee injuries. And he's just been banged up most of the season. Um, the Browns, like a lot of other teams have dealt with some COVID issues, especially as of late. Uh, so they really just haven't been able to get into a flow of things. And especially on the offensive side of the football, they've stalled a little bit in the last four or five weeks of the season because they have so many guys that have been out of the lineup. Do you think uh, Mayfield's injuries this season? And do you think that maybe buys him more time with the Browns because his level of play, that's kind of like a built-in excuse there of like, well, he's been battling through a bunch of injuries. Let's give him another season. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Yeah, well, I think he gets another season because they picked up his fifth-year option. The question is, are they going to try to do a long-term yeah. deal with him? And at this point, I don't know that they're going to want to. I think they really want to see him one more season because if you look at going back to 2020, the second half of 2020, he was great. Like He started the season really poorly, which was his first year in Kevin Stavansky's offense. The second half of the season, he was great, and that was after Odell Beckham got hurt. Um, and I think everybody kind of assumed that he would just pick up where he left off this season because it would be his second year in the system. Um, but it didn't happen. He has not played very well this season. He's been very up and down. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say it's because of the injuries or because the guys that were missing in the lineup. But I think it's a it's a results business. It's a bottom line business. And as the quarterback goes in the NFL, the team goes. And whether you're banged up or not, I think teams expect a level of performance out of you that um, they haven't gotten consistently out of Baker. And so 
I don't think he's played so poorly that they don't want to re-sign him, but he ha- definitely hasn't played well enough consistently enough that they definitely want to commit long-term to him as their quarterback. So I think they're going to just take a wait-and-see approach after this season. I appreciate you nicely telling me they picked up his fifth-year option. Like, in the future, feel free to be like, you're a dumbass. I have him next year. <laughs> <no> matter. <laughs> well, I, I always make sure not to go too hard on people because – I've got 11 years of NFL mush in my brain and I have a hard time remembering even what day it is, much less where people's contract situations are. This season, I feel like from a media standpoint, I'm sure you guys will commiserate with me. It's harder than ever to keep track of what are the storylines going on in the NFL because they seem to change every single week other than maybe the Packers who've been the most consistent team in the NFL. Everybody else has been up and down and the stories just seem to change and the playoff race changes every single week. It's hard to keep things straight in this year's NFL. Speaking of storylines, one of the biggest ones this year, you mentioned OBJ. I mean, everyone talks about, at least the people that I know in Cleveland, talk about the end of last year without OBJ, how well that offense worked. And then you come into this year and you have such high expectations and a lot of the fingers kind of got pointed towards OBJ as sort of that problem, whether it was his fault or whether it was Baker's trying to force everything through OBJ too much. What's your take on how how that situation progressed and ended in Cleveland? Where's the blame lie with all that? Yeah, I don't think Odell was outwardly pressuring Baker to get him the football, but certainly when Odell was in there, Baker felt a pressure to get the football to Odell. And at times that meant he was forcing the football to him and he was making bad passes when Odell wasn't open. But then at times it was almost like he had that in his mind, like don't force it to Odell. And then he wasn't throwing it to him when he was wide open. So it just didn't allow Baker to get within the flow of the offense and just take what the defense gave him and take what the coverage dictated where the ball should go. And he's definitely been a better player when Odell was not in there. But I can't necessarily blame Odell for that because I feel like the brand and the presence and the personality of Odell was just a little bit maybe too big for for Baker to be able to handle properly. And I think that's what forced him to at times maybe try to force it to him sometimes and then at times maybe force it away from him. So in the end, I think it was just better for both Odell and for Baker and the Browns for Odell to just get a fresh start, go somewhere else, and allow Baker to play more naturally within the flow of the offense. Do you think a, a, like more of a veteran presence on that offense – uh, would have kind of helped keep Odell in check. It, it feels like everywhere he's been, um, yeah, well, everywhere, Cleveland and New York, um, there wasn't really that you know strong veteran leadership in the in the wide receiver room with him, or even on offense. I mean, he had Eli, but I don't know that Eli ever really came off as that vocal leader to kind of put a guy you know in in their place when they get out of line. Do you think something like that in Cleveland would have changed that situation? Yeah, Odell Beckham's best friend is Jarvis Landry, Pro Bowl receiver who was with him uh, in Cleveland. And I think they had a great relationship. But I think the biggest issue is just not having a quarterback who has, you know, 10 years of experience and Pro Bowls under his belt. And that doesn't listen to the outside noise about getting the ball to Odell or not getting the ball to Odell. Um, It just seemed like it, it kind of wore on Baker, that conversation that was always coming up that he always had to answer for about, do are you trying to put the ball in Odell's hands too much? Are you not getting the ball to Odell? It seemed like it was just that reoccurring theme. And when you're a younger quarterback that's still trying to make a name for himself and try to build who you are and build your reputation in the NFL, 
it can be a lot to have on your mind and it can be just a lot that's on your plate. Um, and so I think for, for OBJ, like going out to the LA Rams where they have Cooper cup, where they have Matt Stafford, they have Sean McVay as the offensive coordinator and the head coach, it's just a better system and a better team for him to kind of fit in and be one of the guys rather than trying to be the guy on the Browns offense. So switching over to the defensive side of the ball, where do you think Miles Garrett falls in the defensive player of the year race? I think it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out because it'll probably come down to him and TJ Watt. I know that Micah Parsons, the rookie out of Dallas, is having a tremendous year. And as far as number of sacks and pressures per rush attempt, Micah Parsons is the best pass rusher in the NFL and he's doing things all over the field. Um, but typically that defensive player of the year award goes to the guy that either has the most interceptions, if you have like 10, 12 interceptions, or the guy who's got the most sacks in the NFL. And right now it's kind of a two-horse race, in my opinion, between T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. But both those guys are banged up. Miles got hurt on Monday night against the Raiders. I think he may have pulled his groin. Um, T.J. Watt's battled soft tissue injuries the whole season. Both those guys have been unblockable, incredibly disruptive. So it just kind of depends on how the season finishes. If one of those two guys stays healthy, continues to get sacks and pressures at the rate they're getting, I think one of those guys gets it. If they're banged up and they're not able to finish strong, don't be surprised if Micah Parsons is kind of the uh, the underdog that's able to win it from Dallas. Sweet. Also, Packers offensive line's really hurt right now, so if you really want to make a comeback, we could use you. I'm just that up. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. I, I would love to go out there and win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Um, so speaking of, you know, those guys being banged up, we've had the conversation, obviously as Packer fans seeing it week in and week out, it feels like, you know, somebody's going down for a significant period of time. Is it, is it just our, our recency bias and our brains playing tricks on us or are there a lot more severe injuries happening this season, uh, than we felt in years past? I think there is some recency bias at play. I think back to my career and just about every season, I remember the story, especially the first part of the season was, oh, everybody's getting hurt. Everybody's hurt. But that's just the nature of the NFL. It's a violent game. It's a contact sport. It's a collision sport. And people get hurt. Like, that's just what happens. And so I'm not sure that there's more injuries this season. But as the NFL game has grown, every year the game gets bigger and more popular. More, more eyeballs are on it. There's more people that are covering it because you have podcasts and you have social media and you've got all these different platforms that are intensifying the microscope on the NFL game. And the story has always been about who's available. They always talk about availability is more important than ability in the NFL because injuries are just such a huge part of the game. So I don't think there's really more injuries this season, but I will say that I think more guys are missing time. And it sounds like, hey, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I think that's just because players and doctors and their agents and teams are taking injuries more seriously and they're more likely to let guys rest during the season, especially now with the addition of an extra game, because they realize that maybe being healthy in week 13 and trying to like gut it out and playing a game, but then being hurt the rest of the season, even though you can play, is not as good as, hey, if a guy's hurt and banged up, let him heal for a week and sit him out so that he can come back and try to play in December and then into January when the playoffs are on the line and when things really matter. That's when we want to get everybody as healthy as possible. So I think it's just a little bit different 
perspective on how to handle when guys get a little bit nicked up. Whereas back in the old days, or maybe when I first started in the NFL, you would play through anything until you couldn't walk, but maybe that was not getting the best out of all the players and not putting the best team on the field rather than letting guys heal up. If you do get a minor injury. Right. Yeah. And one thing that kind of crossed my mind as you were talking there is, you know, with the new IR rules, it feels like we're seeing a lot more headlines and notifications of somebody being placed on the IR, but mm -hmm. a lot of those, you know, our, our brains instantly go, wow, IR probably done for the year yeah. or this year. Like, you know, we saw with MBS where it was, you know, just a few weeks that, Hey, take the time off, let that hamstring fully heal up rather than going out and trying to see if you can make it, make it uh, go every single week and just dragging it out longer. So, yeah, I think that's actually really a sharp point, Todd. You're quite the genius. Uh, Damn, I'm you. sure your co you. coworkers there are happy to hear that, but yeah, I'm a because that. of the IR rules, right? In, in, in my day, there was no IR that you could come back from. So you had 53 guys on the roster. And if you couldn't play, but they couldn't put you on IR, you were still taking up a roster spot. So there was so much more pressure that if you were on the roster, you had to be available to play because otherwise the quantum leap to putting a guy out for the whole season on IR was so significant. They didn't want to do it. And so they didn't have that resource that they have now to be able to say like MVS, Hey, you need three weeks. Cause you got a hamstring. We can put you on the IR, get you healthy. And we can find a guy that can replace you at 80% and we can get the same amount out of him. And then we can get you healthy for the stretch run versus when I was playing, it was, you're either playing or you're on IR and there's nowhere in between to be able to allow guys to heal up in the short term and then come back and play. Uh, Joe talked about injuries to the offensive line. Obviously the Packers are a mash unit on that offensive line. Again, if you're going to be in the area, I'm sure that Mike uh, Mark Murphy would be willing to take the call. Um, but the success that the Packers seem to have developed in the the later the latter portions of their depth at offensive line. I mean, you've got Yash Nyman out there, Royce Newman is playing guard, and now Dennis Kelly's coming in at, at right tackle, and they're they're being serviceable. And a lot of people, especially around the Packer area, are talking about Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach. I want to get your perspective on it. How much how much effect does an offensive line coach have on the ability to make the talent work? Like, obviously, the front office is scouting these guys. They're the guys bringing in the talent that they think can work and, and be serviceable linemen. How much does a coach like Stenovich have? Like, what, what's he inputting and how's he making these guys better and play at a higher level? Well, I think as soon as Matt LaFleur sees me limp off the team bus, like the letter C, he's just going to point right back on it. Like, Get back on. We don't want you, bro. Um, but I think it's a great point. And um, I'll toot my own horn here a little bit. When the Packers fired Mike McCarthy, which I think it happened like, I don't know, week 10 or something like that. It happened right in the middle of the season, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, I was on Wilde and Tausch in Madison and Milwaukee. And I said, hey, I know that nobody's ever heard of this guy, Matt LaFleur, but I think he'd be perfect because what he brings to the table from a personality standpoint will mesh really well with Aaron Rodgers. But the scheme that he runs, this sort of wide zone, play action pass concept works really well with Aaron Rodgers' mobility. And on top of that, what it allows you to do is develop offensive linemen that can replace each other very easily because the scheme is much more about technique, which everybody can learn. 
as long as they're putting the time in and they have the good coaching, which the Packers clearly have. And it's about going as fast as you can. So finding like smaller and more athletic guys, a lot of times you can put those guys in there and they can manage because you're not doing the typical drop back pass, which is the hardest thing that an offensive lineman does quite as much. And so I think the development of the Packers coaching staff, it says, or of the Packers offensive lineman says a lot about the coaching staff, certainly. But also I think it says something about a larger schematic concept that the Packers are running, where they're running this outside zone concept with these play action passes. And they're able to develop that second tier of guys that can easily come in and fit in when there is an injury and they cannot miss a beat because it's not putting as much pressure on their offensive line as some of those older concepts that you used to see, like when Norv Turner was an offensive coordinator, where guys are just dropping back the quarterbacks, just standing like a statue in the pocket. And it's putting a ton of stress on your offensive line to win one-on-one -on -one pass blocks every single play. So we're missing um, at left tackle. Obviously David Bakhtiari hasn't played at all this season. Uh, he ended up getting like a second surgery to kind of clean out the knee and we're still waiting to see if he'll be able to play. Hopefully he does. How much rust? And I know you won't be familiar with this because you're a superhuman and barely miss time, but like how much rust will David Bakhtiari have? Like, is there going to be a game or two? Like, should they try to get him in before the playoffs start? Or do you think he's at that level where he could just go in right away in the playoffs and not miss a beat? I mean, I had David Bakhtiari as my best tackle in the NFL going into the season. I kind of expected like most people that he'd maybe be on that short-term IR and could come back week six or seven, something like that. Um, but he did have that setback with the additional surgery. And I just think back to my own career when I, I never missed any plays during my 11 seasons until I tore my tricep tendon. But even that little layoff of that we would have from January through April when we would start OTAs up, I felt a lot of rust. And even from May and June when we had mini camp, you get like six weeks off before training camp, I still felt really rusty. And it took me at least three or four full practices before I was starting to feel like I was back into the swing of things because the art of pass blocking truly is an art. Like run blocking is easy. It was easy for me to put my hand in the dirt and go and pick up just like I was riding a bike. But pass blocking is so much more about balance and and it's an art of reacting to what you're seeing from the guy across from you. So your brain has to get back up to speed just as much as your body does. And I would try to get him out there as soon as we possibly can. Obviously, there's the need to consider, but try to knock off some of that rust before the playoffs comes because you don't want to be knocking off the rust in the playoffs when you're going against some of the best pass rushers the NFL has to provide. Yeah, and another offensive lineman that, is hurt right now. Elton Jenkins. I remember the either the first or second time we had you on here. Uh, we asked you about his season long, his rookie year without giving up a single sack. And you said it was a little like at guard. It's a little bit easier to do than at tackle. Um, but now we saw him play. He played at right tackle. He played at left tackle and was still playing at a really high level. Just seeing like a player being that versatile. Is that just something that could happen with a system like the Packers that you mentioned that you just need to be like smaller, quicker offensive linemen? Or is that just something like he really is just like a crazy talent? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. He's been an incredible talent and a huge asset for the Packers. I think about probably the two most important backup positions in the NFL is a backup offensive lineman that can play four spots, you know, either guard or either tackle. A lot of times it's hard to have a guy that can play all five and actually snap the football too. But somebody who's versatile, who you can trust him to go in at any position that's got game experience. And when you're running a scheme like Matt LaFleur's scheme, 
zone blocking and play action passing, those techniques carry over a lot between guard and tackle. Your drop back passing schemes, the technique that a guard uses and a tackle uses is almost completely different. So that's why it's easier to get a guy that can play all those positions when you do run a, a wide zone play action passing scheme like Matt LaFleur runs. But I, I will say that having a guy like Jenkins who has that experience, who can um, easily fit in is so valuable. Like, like I mentioned, like a backup quarterback that can step in and win you a couple games if your starter goes down, like that's easily something that you'll pay six, seven, eight million dollars a year and hope as an insurance policy that you never have to see him out there. But when you need him, you absolutely count on him. And the offensive lineman is just the same. The, the Browns, they lost a game to the Raiders on Monday night. And when I watched the game, there was one play in particular. I'm not going to call anybody out, but there was a third and three at the end of the game. The Browns convert. They win it. Their backup guard who was playing in that situation just screwed up the technique, missed his block. Guy makes a tackle on Nick Chubb. They have to punt to Derek Carr. Derek Carr goes down the field to get the field goal that they need to win the game. If our starter guard is in that position, he doesn't miss that block and the Browns win the game. So you can just see how in those situations you count so much on the backup being able to come in and be serviceable and do the the sort of baseline um, normal techniques that you expect to get out of a starting offensive lineman. So looking at the the Packers offense this year, obviously last year, I mean, it was just a, an explosion every week. It felt like they were putting up 30 plus um, this year. They've, they've kind of struggled. Obviously they, they put up some points against the bears, um, but that's fairly simple to do this season. Um, I feel like we keep saying like, okay, eventually they're going to click. They're going to start clicking um, and get back to last year. We're at Christmas now, and it still doesn't quite feel like it's there. Do you think this offense gets into that groove still uh, down this stretch and heading into the playoffs, or, or do they continue to rely on you know, multiple ways to win games? Yeah, I actually think that they're going to kind of continue to rely on multiple ways. It's not going to be as much of Aaron Rodgers dropping back and throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns like we saw last season. Um, but I actually think that's one of the Packers' strengths because winning in the playoffs – is all about matchups. I think about playoff football to me is like rock, paper, scissors. Like you got all these teams that are basically equal, but this team beats that team and that team beats that team. And then that team beats your team. And it's all about finding out what that matchup is in the playoffs to see who's going to win. And when you have a team like the Packers that can win in a lot of different ways, it's kind of like having a rock and a paper in your pocket going into the rock, paper, scissors game and being able to win whatever way that you have to in that moment. So I like the fact that the Packers are built to be able to run the ball if they have to, right? If you get bad weather in the playoffs, if you get a, get a team that's got a great secondary, like let's just run the ball. If they've got a great quarterback on the other side, that hey, let's control the clock. Let's eke out four or five-yard gains in the running game, which the Packers have been excellent at running the football this year. And then we'll rely on Aaron Rodgers when we need to because we know he'll be there. Or if you get a game where, for whatever reason, they're playing in a perfect environment and they're, they're, they're in some type of a shootout and you don't want to run the football as much, your defense is not playing well, hey, put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, let him go throw for 400 yards. So I actually think the Packers are the most well-built team for the playoffs because they're the most like a rock-paper-scissors game. And who doesn't love having a rock of paper and a scissors in your pocket when you're playing your buddy for a packet of Skittles uh, uh, in a rock-paper-scissors challenge? <laughs> Packet of Skittles, the the premier 
reward for rock, paper, scissors. Absolutely. It's the best yeah. candy that you can get at Halloween time. Maybe a Starburst is up there too, but certainly Skittles was always the one I was looking for. Taste the rainbow, kids. <laughs> uh, Joe, I have more of a general NFL question for you. Um, and it relates to the this game this past week with the Packers because, again, we saw another game where John Harbaugh goes for two in a certain situation and and a lot of the NFL talking heads blast him for analytics yeah. and, and and it feels like even more so this year analytics has gotten kind of this more more talk from from the media heads of the the morning show or the the pregame show guys and everything so I want to get your take on it where do you where do you stand as a former player and now analyst with the the analytics talk going forward on fourth down more two point conversions all of that where do you stand mm -hmm. I, I love analytics because i think it takes emotion and fear out of the decision making process which leads you to a better decision it's just like with companies that are trying to do that same thing and it's no different in football because what happens so many times in the nfl is as a bigger moment is coming up and a more stressful situation for a coach whether he's thinking about it consciously or not in the back of his head, he's thinking about if I make that decision and it doesn't work out, what am I going to have to answer to? Am I going to have to answer to my owner? Am I going to have to answer to the media, to the fans? What are they going to say? And so you subconsciously put yourself into a box of, all right, how do I make a decision that is the most defensible, right? Which a lot of times is the safe decision. That's why forever and ever in the NFL, you always saw coaches just playing it safe. Hey, I'll just punt. I'll just rely on my defense. And if it doesn't work out, I can blame my defense for not making a stop. Whereas with the analytics community, they're saying that's not the best decision. It doesn't give you the best chance to win. And so I thought John Harbaugh was very smart in the decisions that he made in those moments when he had a chance to go for two. Specifically last week against the Packers, he was in a situation he never believed he'd be in, right? They were banged up all over the place. They're without their starting quarterback. And they have a chance to potentially win the game on a, basically a two-point conversion play, which if you look at the averages throughout the seasons, it's about a 50% play, so it's a coin flip. And certainly you had to believe in that moment to give yourself a coin flip chance to beat the Packers in a game that you had no business being in, going for that, especially when you feel like you have a really good two-point conversion play. I think you go for it in that situation. And, you know, it, does, it doesn't work out. And us in the media and, and us fans, we always love for uh, to play the blame game. You know, oh, it's analytics. It's a bad decision. But hindsight is always 20-20. And... As a coach, you're always stuck with the decision that you make. And whether it works out or not doesn't mean that it was the right decision or not, right? You have to look back on what was my odds of making that. And then that was the right decision. It's not necessarily a game of did it work out or not. And that determines if it was the right decision. Yeah. Uh, Joe, real quick, we know we got to leave. We thank you so much for your time. Real quick, score prediction for Saturday. Christmas Day, Browns, Packers. Ooh. How do you see it fall? Yeah, I like I like the Browns 35 to 34 over the Packers. <laughs> only because it's not a big game for the Packers. They don't need it like the Browns do. If the Browns lose, it's over for them. So backs <laughs> against the wall. I love my Browns. All right. You heard it here first, guys. Joe Thomas, future Hall of Famer in front of the show. Thank you so much for taking the time, Joe. We always appreciate it. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. And uh pretty soon I want that award. I'm gonna put it on my wall as the <laughs> it's coming, not the favorite guest at Lombardi's bar, but the most frequent. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a whole trophy yeah. All right, thanks guys thanks, right, Joe. Man. thanks hey. Joe 
Thank you again to Joe Thomas for taking the time to stop in with us. That was a hell of a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. Uh, we ran over on time because we had such an amazing slate of guests. So we're going to wrap up here real quick. But do we have a winner? We want to announce our winner of uh, of the trivia contest. Uh, Nick, Todd, who's who's got the who's got the the winner and answer here? Nick, do you want to just give us the answer real quick? Sure. Yes. So the two part question was. Uh, who caught Aaron Rodgers' first NFL touchdown pass and who caught Brett Favre's 442nd touchdown pass uh, in honor of Aaron Rodgers tying Favre's all-time Packer touchdown record. So Aaron Rodgers' first NFL touchdown pass went to Greg Jennings in 2007 when he came in relief for Brett Favre in that game against Dallas. As far as uh, who caught Brett Favre's 442nd touchdown pass, this I actually did not know. I had to, I had to ask somebody. Um, and so I don't honestly remember it, uh, but I know it comes from a credible source. Uh, Bubba Franks is the 442nd touchdown uh, reception of Brett Favre. Did I would have never guessed you double check. Yeah. Who's your friend? You, you Google. It, it, it would be the person that uh, kind of runs this whole thing. Jacob Westendorf. <laughs> I'll Google it. Fuck that guy. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, know seriously. All right. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll announce our winner. Todd, you're muted. Why am I muted? How did Don't that know. happen? When did that happen? Our winner is Joe Wilson. Uh, Joe, shoot me a DM at the Todd V. Let me know where I can send that to you, uh, and I will get that sent out. I'm going to say tomorrow. Realistically, it's probably going to be about a week and a half from today uh, when I finally <laughs> remember to do it. So shoot me a DM, and let's get that. Uh, and, Dan, let's rush us through the beer bets quick. You want to, okay, let's let's do it real quick. Fire him off real quick. Over under two and a half sacks on Aaron Rodgers this week. Todd. Uh I'm gonna go under five Bakhtiaris. Jimmy. Under three Bakhtiaris. I'm gonna say over three Bakhtiaris. Uh over under four combined turnovers in the game by either team. By a, com- a combination of four turnovers. Both defenses creating a lot of turnovers. Jimmy. Over four Bakhtiaris. Todd, under five Bakhtiaris. I'm going to say over five Bakhtiaris. And finally, the last one, will the Fox broadcast show us either Joe Buck or Troy Aikman wearing something Christmas-related on the broadcast? A tie, a shirt, a hat, anything. Todd. Five Bakhtiaris, yes. Jimmy. Same. Five Bakhtiaris, yes. Hell yes, of course they will. Those two are cheese all the way. Of course they're going to do that. Uh, real quick guys, uh, you, you can see where we're all at on Twitter right there. You know it right there. Follow us on Twitter at game on W I follow us on the YouTube channel, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about us. We hope you have an amazing Christmas. Everybody stick around because open book is coming up in just a few minutes right after us. But until we speak again, guys, hope you enjoy the holidays safely with friends and family. If you can. And uh, enjoy the game. Hopefully it doesn't ruin everybody's Christmas like it'll ruin mine. For Nick, for Jimmy, for Todd, Dan saying cheers, everybody. Merry Christmas and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.